The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Let's talk about this uh, IPCC report uh, that has been published uh, today. It has warned of irreversible levels of global warming. It goes on to suggest that the decisions made over the next decade by us will have ramifications for thousands of years. Sive O'Neill is with me now. Sive is a coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition. Uh, Sive, I mean, this is a, a lengthy enough report. There's an awful lot in it. But can you talk us through, I suppose, the, the, the standout features of it? What are they telling us? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Kieran. So this report today that's launched is the IPCC synthesis report of the sixth assessment cycle. So it's actually summarizing the kind of main conclusions of six reports, in, in including those that have just been released in the last year, but also the IPCC special report on 1.5 degrees and a couple of other special reports. So it's kind of an attempt to draw all the main scientific conclusions together. And of course, the message is extremely stark. Global warming has already reached 1.1 degrees above pre-industrial levels, and emissions that are causing global warming are still on the increase. So climate change we now know is causing widespread and increasingly irreversible losses and damages, destruction of habitats, loss of life, extreme weather events and loss of species as well. So this is a critical decade, they're warning, that if we don't get emissions down by roughly 50%, 43% to 50% by 2030, we will have no chance of keeping global warming below that key 1.5 degree threshold. So is this just another warning, not said dismissive of it, but another warning or or does the report offer some sort of blueprint to deal with these problems? Well, a lot of the solutions have already been written out in detail in the uh, mitigation report that was part of the sixth assessment cycle that was released last year. And it's 2000 pages of what needs to be done in every sector of every economy, including, you know, transport, buildings, energy, uh, shipping, aviation, the whole lot. So, in fact, all the solutions have been written out. It's just that governments don't seem to be acting with the level of urgency that's required. So, for example, although we've seen huge progress made globally in advancing renewables, we still have more and more fossil energy on the system and we should be phasing that out completely. We need to take all coal, oil and gas out of the energy system as rapidly as possible and replace it with renewables. So instead of just meeting rising energy demand with renewables, we need to be replacing fossil energy completely. So the progress that we have seen just isn't happening fast Mm. enough. It's not being done with the level of urgency that climate action demands. That'll continue, though, won't it? That lack of urgency. I mean, I'm sorry, to, but, you know, we talked on this show, we mentioned that last week um, Mm. the the US, uh, the Biden administration offering a, a, a license to uh, for uh, extensive drilling, um, is it the Willow? I can't remember. Sorry, the title of it off the, the top Willow. of my head. They, yeah. uh, um, a huge drilling in Alaska. I think two weeks before that. Uh, similarly, they gave a license to Chevron to start, you know, pumping oil and exporting oil from Venezuela at new drilling sites there. So I mean, yeah. you know, we're yes, we're going to we're going to keep blowing through all these targets, aren't we? Well, if we continue to extract fossil energy, yes, we will continue to blow through the targets. The problem is that countries, and interestingly, these scientific reports, the the main kind of summaries are signed off by governments. So United States government, the Irish government, they have all signed up to every word of summary for policymakers. So what's clear is that governments are 
kind of acting, you know, with, with you know, in, in a two-faced manner. They're saying these things, they're acknowledging the science, but they're not doing the policy measures um, at the level of urgency that is required. And not, they're not confronting those really hard political decisions. And in relation to fossil fuels, while it's easy to point fingers at the United States for its kind of, you know, stance in relation to the Willow Project, in Ireland, we're, sticking up, we're still digging up bogs, we're still burning peat for fuel, we're still um, adding more gas connections to our network, even though we know that our own limited supplies of gas are going to run out and we have to electrify all the heating systems. So we have problems too. We are not acting um, you know, in line with the science. And we have very stringent targets, we have legally binding obligations, but increasingly you're seeing some of the political parties dodging the actual decisions that need to be taken in relation to transport and buildings that would, you know, make that dramatic change happen on the ground. Nobody is denying that it's politically contentious. Mm. It's hard to get people, you know, to shift their, their, their patterns of behaviour and to get people out of cars and all the rest of it. So we have to see the actions from government that are going to convince the public that they're serious about rolling out public transport and active travel measures, just as an example. But the same yeah. is true across all the sectors. But but I'm looking at uh, in the in the in the report today. I'm I'm looking at this um, really useful graph. It's 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 not all dense. A lot of it is accessible, and it has kind of a long list of of, of measures, mitigation options, and the impact that they would have, their potential contribution to net emissions reductions. So essentially, a nice mm-hmm. color graph that shows you how impactful different things would be. And I mean. We, we talk an awful lot about active travel. It's tiny. Public transport and bicycling, it, a, a, a tiny impact in terms of potential contributions to net emission reductions. The big things are solar and when getting our energy from the wind and the sun and reducing uh, the devastation of ecosystems and carbon sequestri- sequestration in, in agriculture. Those are the, the really big things. Yeah, yeah. Not to be dismissive right. of, of public transport, but the the amount of time we spend talking about electric vehicles and cycling and electric buses and getting people out of their cars when, yes, they'll have an impact. But I mean, we're going to burn unless we do the other things. Well, you're absolutely correct. And we have to do both. So we have to electrify everything. So in order to be able to take advantage of renewable energy, we need to take fossil energy out of our buildings and out of our transport system. So even if you didn't change anybody's behavior, you still had your thermostat up as high as you want and you're still driving as much as you want, everything has to be electrified in order for that energy to be replacing fossil fuels. So absolutely, those are the big winners. But we've seen in relation to renewable energy deployment in Ireland that even though the government has quite ambitious targets, that they're already slipping. There are regulatory problems, there are permitting problems, there's local objections, there's problems in the planning process, and there are difficulties in securing the contracts, uh, the, the investment from some of the large utilities that are going to deploy these. So we're coming at this very late and we cannot afford to have any more slippage. And this is the key thing. So the report is very clear that this must be the decisive decade. We can't wait until 2035 to get our act together because by then we'll have missed the target. We have to do these things now. And that's mm-hmm. going to require much bolder political uh, interventions than we've seen in the past. 
And that's going to require all political parties. It's not just the Green Party issue. It's Fianna Fáil, it's Fianna Gael, it's Sinn Féin and the other opposition parties. They all have to get on board with this because we cannot afford to have a lack of consistency in political approaches if there's a change of government and yeah. what other changes come, come but, over the next few years. But, but you'd understand, Saib, as much as anyone, I mean, that... that politicians and political parties come with a certain amount of capital and, and so they have a limited mm. amount of capital they can spend. I'm not talking about that in financial terms. I'm talking about it in terms of what the public would be willing to put up with. And is there an argument that given the level of the crisis and how acute it is and how late we are coming to this, that the government decide, you know what, we cannot bring the people with us to make all of the changes that we would like to make and instead we just throw all our chips in on you know, converting to solar and wind energy and getting fossil fuels out of the system. And let's not get into culture wars about cycle lanes in Dunleary. Well, I mean, almost anything has the potential to be a culture war if it's treated like that. So we've seen a lot of local opposition to renewable um, solar and um, wind farms and so on, and even offshore wind. Now, it's important that we get the environmental planning right. But at the same time, I do have a concern that, you know, in fact, the large swathe of public that's in favour of deploying more renewables around the country are not being listened to. And that, you know, more vocal opponents and sometimes, you know, more kind of populist politicians are are having more of an influence in practice. Mm. Um, I, I, I do think that it's important to remember the EPA have studied and surveyed Irish attitudes across the population. And there's an overwhelming level of support for climate action in the, in the population from rural and from urban areas. And this is notwithstanding all the other crises and problems that we have to deal with in the country and across all age groups as well. Well, you don't always see that reflected in the level of political debate at a local level yeah. and at a national level. So I would say, and you know, I'm speaking for a coalition of civil society organisations, that we have been banging on the doors of politicians for the last 20 years in relation to this. But they're not listening to us. They're listening to the sort of very crude, simplistic versions of things, which is, you know, we can ignore this until the very last minute and we just can't afford to do that. Okay. We have to deploy these renewables and we have to take all the steps in the Climate Action Plan and we cannot afford more delay. Saif O'Neill, who, as you mentioned herself, uh, is a member of uh, that coalition, uh, the coalition, the coordinator, rather, of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition. Saif, uh, pleasure as always and thanks a million for speaking to us. What contribution are data centres having towards our carbon targets? As somebody in Brian in Dublin says he finds it very depressing to say that nobody cares about climate change and no one's willing to change their lifestyle in any way other than giving themselves a pat on the back for using their green bin. We're totally screwed when climate change tipping points start to exponentially kick off. I'm going to share uh, that a little chart that I mentioned. We'll put it up on the Hard Shoulders Twitter account, at the Hard Shoulder, and it's really interesting. And I tell you, you look at it and I, I suspect a lot of you are going to be like me and you're going to think, we waste our time getting in to rouse about electric vehicle targets when really a mark of success in government for the Green Party is surely big offshore wind farms. I mean, if we are not closer to that by the time they find themselves out of office, I don't know how they can consider themselves anything but failures. Electric vehicle targets, things like that, an utter waste of time. Getting people out of cars, into buses, yeah, that's nice. It'll make our cities more livable. But in terms of hitting those targets, again, the IPCC themselves suggest it's kind of a waste of time. Like, it'll have some impact, but those big offshore wind farms, they will have the real impact. 
The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.